Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Section 17 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith Chapter 12, Part 1 The Wiles of Rebeskorat Now when Norna bin Norka had made an end of her narration, she folded her hands and was mute a while, and to the ear of Shibli Bagarag it seemed as if a sweet instrument had on a sudden ceased looting. So as he leaned, listening for her voice to recommence, she said quickly, "'See yonder fire on the mountain's height?' He looked and saw a great light on the summit of a lofty mountain before them. Then she said, "'That is Aklis, and it is ablaze, knowing a visitant near. Tighten now the hairs of Garavine about thy wrist, touch thy lips with the waters of Paravid, hold before thee the lily, and make ready to enter the mountain. Lo, my betrothed, Thou art in possession of the three means that melt opposition, and the fault is thine if thou fail. He did as she directed, and they were taken on a tide and advanced rapidly to the mountain, so that the water smacked and crackled beneath the shell, covering it with silver-showering arches of glittering spray. Then the fair beams of the moon became obscured, and the twain reddened with the reflection of the fire, and the billows waxed like riotous flames, and presently the shell rose upon the peak of many waves, swollen to one, and looking below, they saw in the scarlet abyss of waters at their feet a monstrous fish, with open jaws and one baleful eye. And the fish was lengthy as a caravan winding through the desert, and covered with fiery scales. Shibli Bagarag heard the voice of Norna shriek affrightedly, Karaz! And as they were sliding on the downslope, she stood upright in the shell, pronouncing rapidly some words in magic, and the shell closed upon them both, pressing them together and writing darkness on their very eyeballs. So while they were thus, they felt themselves gulped in and borne forward with terrible swiftness, they knew not where, like one that hath a dream of sinking, and outside the shell a rushing, gurgling noise, and a noise as of shouting multitudes, and muffled multitudes, muttering complaints and yells and querulous cries, told them they were yet speeding through the body of the depths in the belly of the fish. Then there came a shock, and the shell was struck with light, and they were sensible of stillness without motion. Then a blow on the shell shivered it to fragments, and they were blinded with seas of brilliancy on all sides from lamps and tapers and crystals, cornelians and gems of fiery luster, liquid lights and flashing mirrors, and eyes of crowding damsels, bright ones. 
So when they had risen and could bear to gaze on the insufferable splendor, they saw, sitting on a throne of coral and surrounded by slaves with scimitars, a fair queen, with black eyes, kindlers of storms, torches in the tempest, and with floating tresses, crowned with a circlet of green-spiked precious stones and masses of crimson weed with flaps of pearl. And she was robed with a robe of amber, and had saffron sandals, loose, silvery silken trousers tied in at the ankle, the ankle white as silver. Wonderful was the quivering of rays from the jewels upon her, when she but moved a finger. Now as they stood with their hands across their brows, she cried out, O ye traversers of my sea, how is this that I am made to thank Karaz for a sight of ye? And Norna bin Norka answered, Surely, O Queen Rabskarat, the haven of our voyage was Aklis, and we feared delay, seeing the fire of the mountain ablaze with expectations of us. Then the queen cried angrily, "'Tis well thou hadst wit to close the shell, O Norna, or there would have been delay indeed. Say, is not the road to Aklis through my palace? And it is the road thousands travel. So Norna bin Norka said, O queen, this do they, but are they of them that reach Aklis? And the queen cried violently, purpling with passion, This to me, when I helped ye to the plucking of the lily? Now the queen muttered an imprecation, and called the name Abarak, and lo, a door opened in one of the pillars of Jasper, leading from the throne, and there came forth a little man humped with legs like bows and arms reaching to his feet, in his hand a net, weighted with leaden weights. So the queen leveled her finger at Norna, and he spun the net above her head, and dropped it on her shoulder, and dragged her with him to the pillar. When Shibli Bagarag saw that, the world darkened to him, and he rushed upon Abarak, but Norna called swiftly in his ear, Wait! Thou by thy spells art stronger than all here save Abarak. Be true. Remember the seventh pillar. Then with a spurn from the hand of Abarak, the youth fell back senseless at the feet of the queen. Now with the return of consciousness, his hearing was bewitched with strange, delicious melodies, the touch of stringed instruments, and others breathed into softly, as by the breath of love. Delicate, tender, alive, with enamored bashfulness. Surely the soul that heard them dissolved like a sweet in the goblet, mingling with so much ecstasy of sound, and those melodies filling the white cave of the ear, were even at once to drown the soul in delightfulness, and buoy it with bliss, as a heavy-leaved flower is withered and refreshed by sun and dews. Surely the youth ceased not to listen, and oblivion of cares and aught other in this life, save that hidden looting and piping, pillowed his drowsy head. At last there was a pause, and it seemed every maze of music had been wandered through. Opening his eyes hurriedly, as with the loss of the music his own breath had gone likewise, he beheld a garden golden with the light of lamps, hung profusely from branches and twigs of trees, by the glowing cheeks of fruits, apple and grape, pomegranate and quince, and he was reclining on a bank piled with purple cushions, his limbs clad in the richest figured silks, fringed like the ends of clouds round the sun, with amber fringes. He started up, striving to recall the confused memory of his adventures, and what evil had befallen him, and he would have struggled with the vision of these glories, but it mastered him with the strength of a potent drug, so that the very name of his betrothed was forgotten by him, and he knew not whether he would, or the thing he wished for. Now, when he had risen from the soft bank that was his couch, lo, at his feet a damsel weeping, 
So he lifted her by the hand, and she arose and looked at him, and began plaining of love and its tyrannies, softening him, already softened. Then said she, What I suffer there is another, lovelier than I, suffering. Thou the cause of it, O cruel youth. He said, How, O damsel, what of my cruelty? Surely I know nothing of it. But she exclaimed, Ah, worse to feign forgetfulness. Now he was bewildered at the words of the damsel, and followed her, leading, till they entered a dell in the garden canopied with foliage, and beyond it a green rise, and on the rise a throne. So he looked earnestly, and beheld thereon Queen Rabscarat, she sobbing, her dark hair pouring in streams from the crown of her head. Seeing him, she cleared her eyes, and advanced to meet him timidly, and with hesitating steps. But he shrank from her, and the queen shrieked with grief, crying, is there in this cold heart no relenting? Then she said to him winningly, and in a low voice, O youth, my husband, to whom I am a bride. He marveled, saying, This is a game, for indeed I am no husband, neither have I a bride. Yet have I confused memory of some betrothal. Thereupon she cried, Said I not so? And I the betrothed? Still he exclaimed, I cannot think it. Wallahi, it were a wonder. So she said, Consider how a poor youth of excellent proportions came to a flourishing court before one, a widowed queen, and she cast eyes of love on him, and gave him rule over her and all that was hers, when he had achieved a task, and they were wedded. Oh, the bliss of it, knit together with bond and a writing, and these were the dominions, I the queen, woe's me, thou the youth. Now he was roiled by the enchantments of the queen, caught in the snare of her beguilings, and he let her lead him to a seat beside her on the throne, and sat there a while in the midst of feastings, mazed, thinking, What life have I lived before this, if the matter be as I behold? Thinking, Tis true I have had visions of a widowed queen, and I a poor youth that came to her court, and espoused her, sitting in the vacant seat behind her, 